Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. It is probably from the American context, but can certainly apply to the Australian context as well. After being interviewed by the school administration, the prospective teacher said, Let me see if I've got this right. You want me to go into that room with all those kids, correct their disruptive behavior, observe them for signs of abuse, monitor their dress habits, censor their t-shirt messages, and instill in them a love for learning. You want me to check their backpacks for weapons, wage wars on drugs and sexually transmitted diseases, and raise their sense of self-esteem and personal pride. You want me to teach them patriotism and good citizenship, sportsmanship and fair play, and how to register to vote, balance their checkbook, and apply for a job. You want me to check their heads for lice, recognize signs of antisocial behavior, and ensure that they all pass their final exams. You also want me to provide them with an equal education regardless of their handicaps and communicate regularly with their parents by letter, telephone, newsletter, and report card. You want me to do all this with a piece of chalk, a blackboard, a bulletin board, a few books, a big smile and starting salary that qualifies me for new start. You want me to do all this, and then you tell me I can't wear a necklace with a little cross, mention God, or say Merry Christmas because someone might take offense. Well, you know what you can do with your job. We're about to start a revolution. No. As we look at the book of Revelation, it's important to understand that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus 60 years, oh, sorry, in AD 60, around that time. And then about 30 years later, God gives a vision to John and he says, Write these things to the church in Ephesus. And so this is not from an an author per se, but it's the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are words that are probably applicable to you and to me today. As I mentioned last week, as I did an overview of the book of Revelation, I said in in, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, uh, John writes and he says, or God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, writes and says, Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. And so he's basically talking about the past, that which you have seen in chapter 1. And then we begin to deal with the present, which is chapters 2 and 3, those seven churches that are applicable to you and to me. And last week I said there are a number of ways to interpret the book of Revelation. And so it's not Revelations, it's one revelation given by the Lord Jesus Christ to John for you and for me in February 2019. And so he's writing to you and to me, and what he wrote 2,000 years ago is certainly true and applicable to us today. And so as we participate in the next seven weeks of these messages, let's begin to examine where we are as a church as the ecclesia people, men and women of God, but also where we are individually in our own lives. Today I'm challenged 
by the message as I prepared it. Then he also writes, which is probably applicable to those things that will happen in the future, chapters 4 to 22. So Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7 for today. He writes and he says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the the love you had at first. Some say you have forsaken your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. And that's what I want us to do this morning. Consider. That word consider is an interesting word. Mnimoneo. Remember. Call to mind. Think and feel. Recollect your first love. Recollect those days when you first came to faith. That you used to, or I speak about myself, that I would pray for the prayer meeting. I drove around with a big fat Bible, funny enough it's this very same one, under my car seat in case I got in contact with somebody that I could preach the gospel to. And I offended them. Hopefully that's changed. But what happens when we first come to faith in Christ? This word mimoneo is like calling a child up and saying, Sonny, daughter, you have done something wrong. Can you tell me what you did? Mnemoneo, remember. Remember the past. Because that word is going to come in at the end of this verse where he says, metanio. In other words, call to mind what has happened and where you have come from. But metanio, repent. Because if you've gone wrong, recollect Consider where you were and come back to that very same position. And he says, consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you who have this in your favor, you hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so that message, as I said earlier, is for you and for me. And it's from the Lord Jesus Christ himself to you and to me. And he gives us this admonition. Listen up, he says. Let him who hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The word hear, akuo, where we get the English word acoustic, that he who has ears, let them understand and perceive and sense and learn what the Lord is saying. In your spirit, be honest, consider where you are in your spiritual journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll pick up in each of these seven letters, uh, Jesus says, there is something good that you have done However, in six out of those seven churches, he says, there is something that is wrong in your life. 
There is something that is wrong. Yes, we understand that there is no perfect church. But where there is something wrong, we need to acknowledge it. I mentioned my late father last week. He was such a clever man. He had a drinking problem. And friends, it killed him because he could not acknowledge that there was a problem. He said, I'm fine. I'm fine. And that is the problem. That when you think you're fine and you're dishonest, not only with God, but with yourself, that's a problem. Can I say that that might be the beginning of the end? Because shortly after that, my dad died of cirrhosis. He stopped drinking, but he died two weeks later. It was too late. And I beg you this morning, if there is a problem, acknowledge it. Consider it. Mnimoneo, consider it. But also you'll see in a short while, metanio, repent. Turn around, make it right, I beg you this morning. And so, he not only says there's a problem, but he also says, listen, I can teach you on how to get it right. I can help you on how to get it right. I get irritated when there are those who just come up with a problem, but they don't look for a solution. In my own life, if there's a problem, may I look for the solution. In your life, when there's a problem, let's not just acknowledge it, but let's see how God can deal with us because he gives us the life skills to be able to do that. There's a picture of a map up on the screen, and you'll see that Ephesus was located in a very strategic place. Those are the seven churches, and you see there, Ephesus was extremely strategic. So those squiggly lines um, are on the right is the land, on the left is the sea. They were a very strategic place. So I want to share with you some of the characteristics of the location of Ephesus. Some of the characteristics of the location of Ephesus. It was a city that had a claim to be great and famous. They had a, a, a very strategic commercial importance because of their situation and location. They had three trade routes that came around them, situated at the mouth of the Caister River. Uh, they were a harbor in Ephesus, and they were the most important place in Asia at the time. They were at the center of trade. They had no problems to worry about. They were filled with wealth. Problem, let's put money into it and hopefully it will go away. Very strategically placed. Secondly, it was a city with great political importance. Because Rome gave it the title of a free city, they had its own government, they had their own magistrates and leaders, and so when something was wrong, it could go through the process of court, and they didn't have to take it all the way to Rome, the way some of the other uh, churches or cities had to. They had their freedom there to be able to deal with them by themselves. Own elected council with their own seniors who would run the place. Thirdly, it was a very magnificent place, a city of absolute magnificence. Roman justice was dispensed by the governor there. It was a, a city of grandeur. It was a post city, a city where the pan-ionic games took place, only second to the Olympic Games in Greece at the time. 
and known, uh, th- those who organized it were known as Asiarchs, and they were actually friends of the Apostle Paul we read about in Acts chapter 19, uh, verse 31. In other words, it was a city that was extremely balanced and had it all together. It was a beautiful, magnificent place. It was also a great city of religious importance, of religious importance. Why? Because it had the temple of Diana. And so, right through history, we've seen about the, or heard about the temple of Diana. And you'll recall that, that in Acts chapter 19, the Ephesians cry out, Great is Diana of Ephesus. Great is Diana of the people of Ephesus, of the Ephesians. And so they were extremely strategic. This, this third temple was one uh, that was certainly standing in John's day, and it was one of the seven wonders of Asia, uh, we are told. And women throughout Asia would come there, and they would give their jewelry to the temple, donated to the temple, to the goddess of Diana for their own feedback of fertility and blessing. And so that was a problem at the time. Great religious prowess, but a problem nonetheless. And so Diana was the Roman name uh, of that goddess. We're told she was a huntress, goddess of the moon, sister of Apollos, the sun god. Her Greek name was Artemis, which is the goddess of fertility and profitability. Now you begin to see that there is a problem here, and it might be foreign to you, but in the Greek culture, when we grew up, and Maria and I were at the church just a, a couple of years ago in, in one of the little villages in Cyprus, uh, up at a monastery, where people would come and give of their gold and wealth in exchange for health and prosperity. We call that a dhamma in Greek. You put down a beautiful gold chain in exchange for fertility. Those ladies who could not have children would come and say, God, I give you of my wealth in exchange to make me fertile. And that becomes an obsession, eventually a superstition, and can easily become an obsession and your religion. And that's the context of Ephesians, and that's important to understand. It was also an asylum for criminals, and it had a reputation of being pretty notoriously bad around the temple. So what are the features of this Ephesian church? So that's the city of Ephesus. What about the people? Well, we know that they were faced with many difficulties because it was hard to live in that particular context. And I can relate to this. And I'm sure you can relate to this in modern day Australia. How do we live out our Christianity in such a difficult situation? Because everything is offensive. The slogan is each one to his own. How do you and I try and live lives that are pleasing to God without offending when we know that the gospel is offensive. As you know, I do some 
lecturing at the University of Notre Dame. And can you believe it that there are students there that have never touched a Bible in their lives? And can I say maybe even 80% of them? They've never touched a Bible in their lives. They might have seen it on Facebook, on pictures. They might have been offended by it, but they've never touched one in their lives. And so we can relate to this church. Those days, what was often a mystery was often worshipped. What was often a mystery was often worshipped. And so fertility, wealth, prosperity can be mysterious because you want somebody that is greater than you to add to you. And how do you do that apart from worship it? You see, they would offer to these gods at the temple of Diana their possessions so they could be blessed in their bodies, so their land would be blessed and added to, so their soil would be fertile and bear much fruit, so their flock could produce animals, and so they would worship this God. But God comes and He praises them for some things. And He says, firstly, you have endured hardship. You have endured hardship. And that's beautiful because in verse 2 He says, I'm proud of you because of your diligence. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. You have endured. You have persevered under this very difficult situation. You have been faithful in doing good stuff. And it says you have endured in your toil, in your deeds, in your labor. You have done it, and you have done it well. Your trouble has been intense. You have carried on doing things in the community. You have been faithful in sharing in the community. You have been busy with your labor. That's good. In your hardship, you have been faithful. You have served you have been busy, busy, busy in doing programs in your church. That is good. But, he says, there's a danger about being active if you've lost your first love. And that is extremely dangerous because you can often be so busy that you forget who you're being busy for. Secondly, he says, they were faithful to keeping to the right doctrines. He says, I'm proud of you, in verse 2. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. You don't have the power within you to tolerate. You don't have the endurance to sustain something that is bad. And that's something that's good. It's, it can almost be interpreted into holy righteousness. You cannot take something that is bad. It makes you sick. You cannot tolerate evil. Now, friends, there's a danger in that. Because we need to know what is evil before we say it is evil. We need to know what the Word of God says before we say this is what the Word says. Now, each one to his own. Everybody mind your own business. But friends, we need to stand up for righteousness. We need to stand up for what is right and what is wrong. How do we know that? Through the Word of God. We need to get to know what the Bible says. Be sure to be attending tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Oh, no. So... And I, I brought a note here. The private investigators in America, they know what false money looks like. Why? 
Not because they've shown false money, because they've shown genuine money. Genuine money. Because you know what the, the genuine money looks like, you can pick up what the fake money looks like. Because you know what the truth is, you're able to pick up error. Get it? Because the light exposes the darkness. You don't need to go and look for all the different darknesses. There were some yesterday, there were new ones today, and guaranteed there'll be new ones tomorrow. When you know the truth, that is what is important. And so we have the privilege, you and I, of the New Testament. They didn't have the whole New Testament those days. They needed to know what the apostles taught. They had to hold on to that, and they rejected the evil writings or even uh, the evil practices of the Nicolaitans. And he says, you didn't tolerate those evil practices of the Nicolaitans in verse 3. I'm proud of you because of your discipline. Nowadays, we begin to justify sin. Friends, we need to be faithful in doing what God has called us to. Now, this is going to sound harsh, but we cannot tolerate sin as much as we're tolerating sin, because before we know it, it will creep in and it will destroy us. What God has written in the Word of God, we need to be found faithful in proclaiming that and having the discipline to practice it in our lives. And he says, listen, I appreciate you because that, that evil practice of the Nicolaitans, and what was that evil practice? Well, Nicolaitans basically is two Greek words, uh, which may, basically means these people came in and they tried to be uh, divisive and separate. They tried to lead people astray, and that's exactly what was happening in 1 John. They tried to lead people astray and be divisive toward the rest of the people. They come in subtly. They begin to inject a little bit of evil practice. It looks and sounds like the truth, but it is false and error. How will you know that? Because you know what the Word of God is. And he says, I, I love you, Ephesians, because you've been faithful in not tolerating that. Now, friends, in Matthew chapter 18, we know that if uh, anybody sins, we approach them and say, stop your nonsense, please. Or else I'm going to kind of knock you out. No. It, we, we go through the process of Matthew chapter 18, one to one, then maybe two people approach this person out of love to restore them, not to punish them, to restore them, and then maybe uh, a few more, because we love that person, and we love them too much to leave them the way they are, and so we approach it that way. So we must be faithful in practicing what the Word of God says. But then there was a problem in the church. There was a problem in the church. He says, you have forsaken your first love. The word forsaken there, Afimi, you've sent away. You've let go. You've allowed it to expire. Any relationship must be worked on. Once we get married, we've got a ring on our finger, it's all good, we don't have to do anything else, we just live our lives. No, it's constant, and I'll be reminded by my wife, it's constant, <laughs> you need to feed, you need to put into this relationship for it to grow and blossom. All you need to do for it to die is nothing. The opposite of love, as we said last week, is not hate. 
The opposite of hate is not love. The opposite of love and hate is apathy. Just doing absolutely nothing. Pathos means passion and investing in it. Put a little A in front of it. Apathy means I do nothing about it. Do nothing about it and it will die by itself. Like any plant, if you don't water it, it will die. All you need to do is not do anything to it. It will die by itself. And friends, that's what God had against these people. They were, they were okay to forsake their first love, to just leave it alone, to disregard it and neglect it. And so, just falling in love and out of love is nonsense. It's a decision. I'm going to follow God and I'm going to follow Him faithfully. And so he says, listen, you have not just forsaken me, but you've allowed our relationship to just be abandoned because you're so busy doing all these other things. And that is dangerous, as I said. Four Greek words for love. Three of them are found in the New Testament. The first one there, phileo, the friendship connotation to love. That's not the word that's being used. Another word, eros, the physical connotation to love. Love with a kick between husband and wife in the context of marriage. The third one is not spoken of in the New Testament story. The family connotation to love. The love that I have for my family and the love that my family have for, for me. Sibling love, parental love, love for our children and their love for us. But the word that is used here is the word agapi. The love that moves away from egocentric self to wanting to please God. He says you've, you've forsaken that. You've let it go. You've let it go. You're not excited about it anymore. And you're just going through the motions and this can often become superstition. Friends, I, I, I know, and I hope I don't offend, there are many, many people who want to dedicate their children to God or baptize their children just because, you know what, that's the guarantee from heaven. And they say, well, we've done it, we've got the certificate the pastor has signed it. It's a guarantee that my kid is going to heaven. Dangerous. Well, I'm a Christian now. I came to faith in Christ 50 years ago, 40 years ago, two years ago. And you know what? I'm on my way to heaven. That's not the right attitude. Be careful. Because that can be extremely dangerous because we throw the towel in and apathy begins to creep in. And so... He says, listen, come back to your first love. Remember what Jesus said to Peter in John 21? Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And that process happens three times. Three times. In other words, and there's an interchange of words there, but what Jesus is saying, do you love me with a love that's prepared to give of itself to me? Do I still excite you, Peter? Do I still make you, uh, your eyes light up when you mention the name of Jesus? Now, folk, it's not a fake kind of excitement that makes our heart rate uh, increase because of some sort of new relationship. No. Is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ deep and is it going deeper? Is it deep and is it going deeper because of the love of God for us and our love for Him? And then he says, because there is an action that is needed. And I find this 
quite simple. It's, it's, it's not, listen, you're going to have to go and attend church and every single Bible study starting on Monday. Then you're going to have to attend certain things and you're going to need to park your car properly and say these things and all the rest. No. He's saying quite simply, listen, there is one thing that you need to do. There's a problem that's been identified. This is what you need to do. One word, exclamation mark, repent. Repent. Remember mnemonio, consider, think about, but now metanio. Meta, after, neo, your nous, use your thinking and come to your senses that there is a problem. And before you know it, it might kill you. But once you come to your senses and you've considered it, you're able to turn around. Meta, neo, come face to face with God. Change one's mind for the better. Meta, neo, I know that I've been bad news, Lord. Forgive me. I change my mind, Lord. I change my mind and I come to worship you. It says, repent. Come back to your first love. The word first is the, is the word protos, where we get proto. Come back. The way you spend your time, the places you go, the influence that you have. Is he the chief in your heart or is he Second, is he second or is he proto in your life? Let me sum up what I've just said. Repent is a commendation, great commendation. That listen, you've worked hard, you've been patient, you've been, you, you've kind of not tolerated these bad Nicolaitans, these false apostles. But there's a complaint. Jesus has not been your first love. Correction. Turn around. Consider where you are in your life. Today, I don't even know the date, on the whatever day in May, uh, in February, whatever day in February, where are you on your spiritual journey? If you're great, that's amazing. But if there's a little gap where he's not your first love, I beg you this morning, as I pray, make right with God. Make right with God. It's the greatest place to be. If you were once there, then go back to that place of your first love. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, your words are life, and we thank you for them. Lord, we come before you, and we acknowledge, Lord, that there is a problem, perhaps, in our lives. Lord, as we consider where we are in our spiritual journey, we pray, Lord, as a church, we might turn back, as a people, we might turn back to our first love, Lord. And to fall in love all over again. And to stay in love with you. We decide that this morning, Lord. Come and fill us afresh with your power, with your Holy Spirit. So we might be found faithful in serving you first. And Lord, the outcome of that will be serving the community that we're in. Take us back 
to our first love, Lord. Once again, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.